Okay, we are live. Hi, this is William Ramsey. Welcome to William Ramsey Investigates. On today's show, I have a very special guest. His name is David S. Heron. Like the bird, it's spelled, last name is spelled H-E-E-R-E-N for the audio listeners. And he's written a very important, timely book. Title of the book is What the Bible Has to Say About the USA. The Old Testament Speaks to Americans Today. This is not David Heron's first book. He's written 10 Christian-oriented books. Some of the other titles... And a lot of them have to do with end times prophecies. Other titles are The High Sign. And these are all, all published fairly recently, last couple of years. High Sign, God or Not, One Person's Amazing Experiences, Do They Verify the Existence of God or Not? And also Day of the Lord, Great Bible Prophecies Soon to be Fulfilled. And this book takes the old experiences of Israel, the Old Testament, and that book is still important. It's not just all about the New Testament, too. But David can talk a little bit about that. So, so David, Aaron, welcome to the show. Well, it's, it's, it's really good to be here. Thank you for having me. Awesome. So for people who may not have heard your name or your books, you said you've been writing for the last 15 years since you retired. Can you kind of talk about your background, some of your other books, and then what led you to write what the Bible has to say about the USA? Yes, I, I started out as a sports writer, and you don't want to know all the details, but I did create a statistical system for basketball players and teams that was called Tendex, and it actually was used officially in, in I think it was every professional basketball league in the world. So here I am with this behind me, and I'm getting ready to retire, and I'm thinking, well, that's, a, that's probably going to be about it, and blah, blah, blah. But I was the next time I was reading in the book of Isaiah, I am a Christian. I have been a Christian since I was a young man. Um, I'm reading the book of Isaiah, and I get to the place in, in, in chapter 6, verse 8, where Isaiah hears the triune God talking among himself. And, and ultimately, the question asked is, well, uh, they're saying, well, who shall we send? Who will go for us? And uh, Isaiah, recognizing that there's kind of a... Uh, um, a needful situation here to get the exact details. I don't think it even explained exactly what it was, but God needs him. So he kind of timidly says, oh, here am I, send me. And um, then we get the book of Isaiah. He becomes a prophet. He writes this, I think it's the longest prophetic book in the Bible. And it's about the same as Jeremiah in length, although it has a few more chapters. But a major prophet and he just made this timid commitment. And I'm feeling this for the first time. I've read this before, but I'm feeling this for the first time. And I'm thinking, well, well why not? So I, so I say, well, here am I, send me. Well, I think I was more timid than that. Um, <laughs> and the next day, guess what? I'm reading through Isaiah's prophecy, and I start to understand it. Not that I haven't understood anything about it before but just the surface and now i'm starting to really understand it and um as it worked into um up to this book there, there were other books uh the, the high sign is about identifying the object that signifies the return of christ and the others i, I don't need to go into details about all of them but when next time I was reading through, as I read along Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and by the time I get to Hosea, I'm really into it. I have understood a lot of it, and, 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 I, and 
I'm realizing at this point that there's a lot of end time prophecies there. It's a, it's called the day of the Lord, which is the, which is the day of Jesus' return. That's identified in the New Testament. But by the time I get to Hosea, I have a little bit of understanding. And I've written a couple of other, well, not, I haven't written the books yet, but even the first time through Hosea after, uh, after reading Isaiah 6, 8, I started to understand. I said, well, this is weird. It looks so familiar. These details look familiar. Those details look familiar. Um, and before I'm through, I'm thinking, wow, it, it, this is like, it just reads like the United States today. And then, of course, the uh, the context is that the Israelites were really grieving God by the way they had wandered away from him. And they would, they were murdering babies, sacrificing them to, to these idols, these demonic idols. And God really did not like it at all. And they wound up in Babylon. And they suffered in Babylon before they repented. And, and God brought them back. But the United States... What are we doing? We're doing a lot of the same things that the Israelites were doing. I know I made a well, the table of contents. I'll just read that. I can read that in a minute. The table of contents for this book is money versus morality. Boy, do we see a lot of that and people choosing the, the money. Even in the in, even in the medical profession, they're, they're choosing the money over or, or curing, curing people. No doubt. Um, we, we see the next one was lawlessness. Wow. <laughs> we were a, a law a law-abiding nation. Now we are a lawless one. Uh, the third one is humanism, which basically deifies the human beings. And well, our, our, our children are being taught now that they can they can make their own truths. You know, well, come on, you know. Uh, they're being taught to be humanists. They're, they're being led away from God. In fact, if you're if you're a Christian and you pray in a public school, they will fire you. And they have been doing that. Um, the next one was liberalism, which it's more it's more like socialism now. But when I wrote it, it was liberalism. Um, then globalism, which is basically um, looking for a one world government. Boy, we have we've had a lot of success with one world governments in the history of the world, haven't we? Yeah, they're um, disasters. They're all yeah, disasters. Right? Every time, disasters. Yeah. The sixth chapter six is life versus convenience, and this is the most. This was the most clear to me of all, because what the um, Israelites were were having these babies slaughtered to be sacrificed to a demonic idol. What are we doing? We don't. Even, we're not even waiting until they're born before we slaughter them. Um, and the ones when they are born, there's some of them just left to die. God is not happy. He cannot be happy with us. I don't even think I have to finish the, all of them that, that are here. But you get the right the idea. I'm reading this uh, biblical book about Israel, and everything in it, I can see it happening right in front of me in the United States of America. Uh, um, it's it's very sad. Um, it is sad. And you go back to this Old Testament, the book that pervades the, or, uh, is through the higher, whole book is Hosea. So the prophet Hosea, the book of Hosea. And why did you choose something from that? I think it was the 8th century BC. Yeah, it was because as I was reading that book, I, I was reading the description that I just, you know, shared from the table of contents 
uh, for my book. And does it not read like a description of the United States of America? Yes, it does. So the book of Hosea, if you read it, and I would recommend you do read it, sit down there and say, well, you know, is this guy telling the truth? Does this read like the USA today? Um, right. For me, it read so much like the USA that I wrote one of my longest books. This is one of my longest books. I see. and But also, I mean, I think what I was trying to get at is that you, Hosea was an exemplar, not just the book, but his person. You, in the in the introductory chapters, you talk about him and Gomer, right? So there's a yeah, because, because the, especially Gomer, uh, God um, kind of got him married to the, to this woman who had been a harlot, and um, she never did repent. Uh, but God, uh, uh, Hosea, stuck with her and gave her second chances. He he really was a loving man, um, and and he was an example, a, a good example, really. Uh, the author of the book of Hosea was a good example. Um, we are to be loving of those who are um, persecuting us, uh, even to, even to those who are, you know who are taking us away from our children, which is which is being done now in the uh, foster care system. Um, it, it's it's a lot of things are happening that that are really um, what's the word There's I want? Child talking. trafficking, Epstein, all kinds. I mean, that's yeah, and, and they bring us to create grief. But God does not. He wants us to be strong, courageous, to stand firm, and even to love those who hate us and love those who are taking our children and, and, and misleading them terribly. Um, and and the, and the great some of the great stories uh, of of today, but from the mission field and of, of Richard Wimbrand, that was you know one generation ago. Um, some of the greatest stories are when Christians. Are being persecuted and and, and they're, they're they're separated from their families and they continue to, to to stand firm. They will not deny their faith, and they they will not respond hatefully to hate. They respond to hate with love, and 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 this is really the message of the gospel. This is what Jesus wants from us, and we find that out even as early as the Sermon on the Mount, where two of the Beatitudes speak to, to situations like this and he says that those who are suffering for his sake will be greatly rewarded in heaven um of course that assumes that they are being faithful to him and you know in the way they react when they are being persecuted for his sake right but also like hosea like in if you look at the old testament uh these events got People, God punished the nation of Israel for their waywardness, right? So I think what that's what Hosea was pointing out. Like eventually they were going to be yeah, that's 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 what they did. <clears throat> the Assyrians and right. Yeah, he sent them to Babylon, uh, and that was not a picnic. Uh, and I think they were there a lot longer than. than that. There's a lot of there's some good news here though, because we're not going to be for our ancestors whenever this happens are not going to be. Um, whatever I mean, you know, uh, in in a country that is is um, really really in a desperate way for as long as the Israelites were in Babylon, um, there is clear indication, even in Revelation eleven, that the tribulation in this world today, although it will be in all nations, which it was not at that time in the Old Testament, 
it will only last about three and a half years. Uh, now it's going to be bad, but there's all kinds of encouragement by Jesus. He says, don't worry about it. He literally says, do not worry about it. In, in his end time sermon, that's in Luke 21. Uh, he says he's going to shorten that time. Um, he's not going to, to just let it go. He's going to personally shorten it. Um, and he, he, he just, he tells his people not to run away, but to stand firm. Now we know that the apostles at first were terrified and did run, but they came back and, and they, they learned their lesson. They came back and stood firm. And every one of them, except, um, except John, was persecuted and finally put to death because of his faith. But the promises are so great that this will be rewarded eternally in heaven for maybe a, a two or three or three and a half years here of agony and suffering. It, it really, when you measure it out, um, it's not a bad thing uh, because a lot of people, when they see the contrast between the evil being perpetrated by, by the socialists and the Christians who are standing firm and lovingly responding, they're going to become Christians. And the numbers are in the Bible that when Jesus returned at the day of the Lord, one out of every three, Christ, three people will be Christians going up. And today, um, I was in D. James Kennedy's church and Billy Graham was the he preached the opening, the opening, the opening sermon in, in the church, and both Graham and Kennedy, I, I know this for personal fact, had, had said, this was much later in their lives, of course, uh, but maybe as, as, as long ago as about 15 years ago, that it was less than 10% of the world population at that time were Christians. So what kind of revival do you need to get it up to 33%? It's going to be an awesome revival. Um, it, it's going to be a great finish. And after the persecution, there's going to be a revival and there's going to be a restoration. That's prophesied in the Bible. But, but, but it's, uh, I, I, I just, I'm just thinking, it, when you weigh the two, it's going to be really a great finish. But we're not we're not at the, the the over the finish line right now, right? No, you no. detail a lot of problems: convenience, new ageism, Kinsey pops up. So we're kind of in the thick of a bunch of false doctrines. Would you agree with that? But we can see the preliminaries. Uh, there's a lot more persecution of persecution of Christians in the world now than there had been, and just recently there was a bill passed in the United States that practically criminalizes Christians. It, it, uh, I don't go into all the details of it, but if anybody in the White House and around the, the president wants to enforce it, uh, Christians are, go are going to be persecuted now because of that bill. It's what was the name law. of the bill? I'm not, I'm not familiar with it. Yeah, it, it, they, they, they had a euphemism for it. They always do. The, the e most evil bills are, are, have, have euphemism to make them sound good so the average person will not know it. But there is a bill, take my word for it. It has been passed by this left-wing legislature and its impact will be to greatly uh, affect, negatively affect the work of Christians in the United States of America. But God, you know, with God, you know, how much negative can, can Satan do? And, and God will do something else to more than compensate for it. 
Um, it, it's just uh, <laughs> right. Satan's, well, uh, the, the battle's always going on, right? So they battle yeah. back in the old. Yeah, Satan, battle Satan is definitely day. flailing around. I've I've had a week uh, that I oh boy, um, I've been getting <laughs> my my phone broke down this morning. Fortunately, I didn't need it to use it for this interview. Um, four uh, plumbing appliances broke down. Not not even the same kinds. Um, hmm. On Monday, my front door. I was told I needed a new one because it's falling apart. On Tuesday, um, and I, I finally messaged a friend, Christian friend of mine, and she agreed with me. She says it sounds like Satan doesn't like what you're doing. Um, it does. He does not want to it, truth to be. <laughs> Truth about anything to be proclaimed anywhere. And the truth is that the United States is in trouble, but ultimately God will win. God wins, right. But I mean, in the old, the theme of like one of the recurring themes in the Old Testament is repentance and God healing the land, right? So you include those elements in this book, right? I, I tried to include as much as I could in, in the book, and you know all, all kinds of details. Um, I, I can give a couple of examples. Um, That'd be great. First of all, uh, this is at the end of the last chapter, but at this time we have studied we have studied each of the themes, and I so I made a chart. Uh, on one side, the, the theme in the middle, the basic sin, and on the right side, the extreme. Um, number one. Money versus morality, basic sin, greed, extreme idolatry, theme, lawlessness, basic sin, defiance of God's law, extreme anarchy. We're starting to see some of that. Number three, humanism, basic sin, deification of mankind, extreme deification of self. I am God. We've heard that from George Soros. Number four, liberalism. Um, I'll make it socialism now because they're, they're admitting they're socialists. Um, they haven't yet admit they're communists, but they admit they're socialists. Uh, and there's only two kinds of socialism, and one of them is Nazism. Oh, we're not Nazis. Well, right. what are you? Right. Anyway, the basic sin of, of, human, of, uh, of humanism is deification of mankind. Oh, I, got, I had that one. Liberalism, the basic sin, is lying and deceiving. And the extreme is socialism. Well, we've now we now got to the extreme because most of them are admitting that they are socialists. Not all, but most of them. Number five, globalism. Basic sin, anti-patriotism. Extreme treason. We're seeing that now in high places in the United States. Number six, life versus convenience. Of course, that gets into abortion and... and and sacrificing infants at the uh, altars of demons. Basic sin, murder. Extreme, serial abortions. Number seven, new age, which is a general, you know, a general um, description of the uh, religions that are not Christian. It's a, it, and that covers a lot. Um, Right now, but basically, that's that's a good description of it since since about the last 20, 20, 25 years, and the term has been used. The basic sin practice of the occult, extreme Satan worship, 
Number eight, cunning commerce. Cheating and stealing is the basic sin. And the extreme is materialism where you, where you won't do anything but cheat and steal. Um, number nine, sexual license. And the basic sin is any out of wedlock sex. Well, now, <laughs> I don't have to say anything about that because uh, it's almost deified if you're out, if you're, if you're confused about your sex identity. Um, extreme is depravity. And the last one, uh, number 10, is environmentalism. Um, basic sin is abuse of power. And the extreme is Gaia worship. Um, and that right. is pretty much where we are today. That's where <laughs> all, we are. The, all, word, all the extremes? <laughs> yeah, yeah pretty that, that's pretty much where we are. We're, we're very well far down the hill. As far as the extremes are concerned, we're just about it. We're just about bottoming out in in, in hell. Right. I mean, if you, I, when I see some of these people on TV and their outfits, I think that's what people in Sodom and Gomorrah must have dressed like: weird purple hair, tons of jewelry, weird makeup, um, and not trans, and not much clothing. Gen, yeah, gender, whatever. I mean, fluidity. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Uh, and so I guess the, the solution for the whole, how do we save the country? How do we save the U.S.? Well, actually, that formula is kind of, it's kind of well known. Two Chronicles 714. Uh, the, 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 I'll, I'll quote it. It's if my people, in, in, in the Old Testament, when that, that was written, it would have been the Jews. The Israelites. Today, it would be Christians. We are we are His people, and of course, there are a lot of Messianic Jews who are Christians now. Um, it, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, well, humility is difficult with your, if you're, you're an egotist, and there's a lot of egotism going on right now in the United States. And and let's face it, all all of us have pride. I have to fight it. I have to fight with it every day uh and but it says humble themselves um i'm trying to remember the man's name he was a british um bible scholar and a, and a, and, a, and well anyway he Ch said chesterton gk chesterton no um he was a friend of the guy who had the huge church oh. that was and he and uh uh, anyway, it's not important what his what his name was, but he was a prominent he was a prominent he was a prominent uh, Christian in in uh, in England, and he wound up on the mission field, and he preached, and he wrote some books that were published after he died and became bestsellers. And to this day, his uh, his daily devotional I think is the bestseller in the United oh, wow. States. But um, he said. Um, give up the right to yourself to him. Now, think about it. That sounds, what, what, what does it mean? Give up the right to yourself to him. Well, self is, and he discussed this at length, is the source of most sin. It's putting self before others, putting self before God, putting self before anything else. But because I am this, I am that. Um, 
And he, and he, well, I think that's one of these, that's the starting point when we start to, to humble ourselves ourselves before God and pray. And that goes right along with it because when we humble ourselves before God, we're going to start talking to him and, uh, and admitting to him that we are sinners and asking his forgiveness. And now we are starting to get in the area where if enough of us are doing that, um, we have potential for revival because revival comes not from what people do, but from the prayers and, and the uh, humil humil humility and, and, and turning from our wicked ways, which is the fourth qualification in that, in that verse. It's humble themselves, pray, seek his face. That means earnestly pray, turn from our wicked ways. That's repent of our sins. And then he will hear from heaven, forgive our sins, and heal our land. Well, we're a long way from number seven, but I can see some headway from some, some people are starting to see what's going on. Uh, and there, there is even some attempt being made to establish the groundwork for uh, such repentance and prayer that it will result in revival. We're starting to hear the, the, the word revival Again, it hasn't been heard around here for a long time, but people know, know that Christians know that revival is needed and therefore they are now beginning to do what is said in that, um, in that scripture. Right. I mean, they talk about awakening. There's been great awakenings in the history of the country, but... We need more than an awakening. People need to revive. Yeah, this, if it, if it, it's going to involve the whole nation. We're not just going to see pockets of it because we're, we're not going to see pockets that, that aren't afflicted. And wherever there is affliction, people will react in one or two of two ways. And the, the good way is to humble themselves, kneel before God, praise him, thank him, even, even though it may be, may be not nice, a nice situation, but thank him and praise him and love him and, and, and seek his face, earnestly pray, Lord, deliver us from this mess uh, and show us what we, what I can do and my part to, to turn it around and, and to bring forth these seeds for revival, repentance, revival, and turning back to him. Um, that's the formula for turning this around <laughs> but it's it's a lot harder than it sounds when you just read about it in the bible it, it's not an easy thing especially because it's going it's going to have to involve a lot of people it's not going to just be one person say well i'm going to have a revival no uh -huh. with 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 millions hundreds of millions of people involved involved in the country it's going to take quite a lot of them uh obeying the basics, even if they don't go by 2 Chronicles 7, 14. Christians know that we need to be humble ourselves before God, that we need to really be earnest in our prayers, that we need to turn from our wicked ways um, and really seek his face. Christians know that. Um, if, if, they, if they haven't been taught it, they know it intuitively because of the spirit of God within them. It's just a basic principle, but it's not easy. It takes a lot of time, a lot of effort. And if you're not eating well, and I don't think we're going to be eating very well at that time, 
it's going to, going to be a very hard thing to, to, to earnestly, uh, with effort, with energy, to, to seek God's face. And what do you recall? What's the name of the title of that bill? Some fire pixies asking it that makes Christian or prevents Christianity from being taught. Do you know the name or the number from that? I don't know if it's really anything is passed, but I didn't hear the first part of the, okay. of the question. Well, what's the the question is what is the name of the bill that makes Christianity illegal? Oh, I, I, I don't um I can't remember the name of it, but I remember reading reading uh, I reading about it, and then about a week or two later, I read that it had passed. Oh, uh, and I, uh, it was only, it was earlier this week that the news came out that this bill had passed. I'm not sure if it was Monday or Tuesday. I don't think it was last week, but it's only been recently. And of course, it was another one that was introduced by the, by the left wing with, with a really friendly sounding title. But when you read it, it's anything but friendly. It's nasty, hmm. it's mean, it's hateful, um, just like all of the rest of the stuff that they're doing. But they're pretending to be the good guys, and they're pointing fingers at other people and saying, well, they're the bad guys. We're the good guys. But yet the country's falling apart. Right. Uh, that's that's all the both parties do. They don't get anything done. They just blame right. and, and, and I'll tell you, I don't, I don't support either party. I do support some individuals, individuals that I'm convinced are, are, are good guys. But there aren't that many of them. It's not. It's definitely not a majority in Washington. Oh no, it's a, by far a majority of the bad guys right now in Washington. And I know, well, both parties like to point to the other and say, "Well, it's them." They're, they're the blame. But, but really, one of them is, is the Socialist Party is very, very bad, and the other party uh, has people in it that are just as bad as the ones in the Socialists. But they do have some good guys. But the overall percentages are mostly bad guys. And that's why we're in this trouble. Yeah, I think that there's a lot of corruption, bribery, blackmail, all kinds of things going on that just don't really surface. So yes. it explains that those kind of mysteries explains why yeah. people don't do things or aren't passionate about certain subjects. But uh, and, and you have to ask uh, that the last, well, the current one excluded, but his son is known for... <laughs> Everything. The he's, guy should be in jail. He's known for accepting millions of dollars under the table, and I'm sure right. that he got right. a lot. Well, you know, do you know what? That a lot of these guys, their family members are their launderers. So that you'll see weird things where, like, a brother will be close to the person, the politician, or the son, or the family member, or the husband, or the wife has some, and that's the way they've been doing it for decades. And oh yeah, so they, some, so other, some other some other family members, so they can right. get away with it. Right. So, some of them, yeah. some of them are brazen enough to do it themselves. Uh, true. Like they, like the accuser of Donald Trump colluding with Russia, which was baloney. Well, turned yeah. out that she's the colluder <laughs> with Russia, right. uh, and and that's been proven by email. Um, that's the way they do it. And right. uh, we had okay. I'm gonna. He's deceased now. And, and John McCain, he was a big hero to the socialists, and he was a Republican. That's because he was as bad as the bad guys. Um, I mean, he he was responsible for the deaths of more than a hundred sailors because of something he did uh, uh, on an aircraft carrier, and he got off. He never went to jail. Um, 
none, 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 of the, none of the people in high places who have committed crimes have, have gone to jail or even, or even been, well, uh, they've been accused, but, ne but never, huh, they, wanted to, they wanted to indict Trump, but they couldn't find anything on it. But they just made it up. That's what they did. So. Yeah, John McCain was a huge war hawk. I, I like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a huge war. He, he was. He was a. He was. He was one of these who was uh, capitalizing on evil, and that's that's basically what most of the most most of the leaders in Washington are doing. They're capitalizing on evil. They're making money off of it. They're making money off COVID nineteen. In fact, a lot of people. Well, now it's. Kind of, kind of, almost a certainty proven that COVID was planned in advance to be what it was, to so that they could establish more of a dictatorship here and start ordering people to do something that they have no right to order them to do, like wearing masks. You don't wear a mask, and you're going to be fired. Right. You don't wear a mask. You can't no, fly on airplane. Not duly elected representatives. These people aren't elected. The people at the, you know, National Health. National Institute of Health or whatever, Fauci, he's a he's a technocrat. Right. So. He first time I saw him, I said I took my head. And, uh, turns out now that he's made something like fifteen million dollars out of out of his propaganda on TV. Personally, made something like fifteen million dollars. Wow, it's incredible. Um, where, what would you like to add or anything I missed before we wrap this up, Dave? Uh I just want to go with some some real positives. Okay. Uh, chapter eight of, of the book, and I guess I don't have time to read from it, but chapter eight of the book is about the love of God. Uh, and, and it fits right in the perfect place two thirds of the way through the book, just as it is about two thirds of the way. It's actually chapter 11 of Hosea, but chapter eight, of, of my book, and it's about the love of God. And it, it's just really evident in a lot of ways, and it will become more and more and more evident the deeper we get into the end time. Um, if you read Richard Wormbrandt's books, and they, they're great books, you read about, I, there was a 12-year-old boy, and his mother is murdered by, by, by communists in prison where she didn't deserve to be. Well, he's going to be an angry kid, right? No, he shows up one day, hands a rose to the to the guy who killed his mother, and said, "My mother was a Christian, and she told me to love everybody, even my enemies. So I'm giving this rose to you." Um, and and this was the guy who had killed her. And then the boy walks away, and, and the guy collapses. The guy turns himself in, asks to be tortured, and sits at the feet of Wormbrand who shares the gospel with him, and he's born again. This is Christian law. This is this is what it's about. No, no doubt. And where's the, where's the best place for people to get what the Bible has to say about the USA? I don't like to admit it, but probably, probably the easiest is uh, uh, Amazon.com. I do have a website, but it's a little bit uh, sluggish. It's uh, end times with an S mystery.com. Uh, there's some good stuff in there. I'm not talking against myself, but, but um, if you're looking for some 
Well, no, no, go there and look. You might, you'll probably find something that'll be uh, uh, readable and you can order the book that way. So you can um, get a copy from you through at N. Yeah, that would be from, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't work the website, but uh, I have written what's on it. So you, you could go there and read some of the stuff that's there and say, well, that's, that's what the author wrote. Do I want to read his book or not? Uh, that, that would be a good way to do it. And are all of 10 of, because all, not all of your books, or maybe I just wasn't looking through Amazon correctly, but not all of your books are on Amazon, right? Yeah, I think right now, Amazon um, has just about everything, unless they run okay, out. Okay. And when they run out, they can get another one or two if somebody orders them pretty fast. Uh, they're, they're, uh, they're pretty good. <laughs> and, and I, Do you, I, I, so I all 10 of your books are on Amazon, is that correct? Well, actually, I have 19. There's, there's, 19. there's a, the 10th one is in process. So nine of them, nine, nine of the Christian books, all are on Amazon. And then I have nine sports books also, most I of see. which were about Tindex, um, which, which, which are there. Maybe it didn't show up, David. Maybe I had it under different different uh, names. What, what, oh, there it is. I see. Yeah. Most of my books are under the under the title David S S. Period Heron. I'm not sure what what whether just putting David Heron would would work or not because Heron is not a common last name. Um, but David S as in Sam Heron H E E. R E N. I think gotcha. if you enter that 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 uh, name on Amazon, that my books will pop up. I do the S initial for my Christian books, and my sports books were just Dave Heron. I see. That makes sense. So there's books there. You can get it at endtimesmystery.com. Right. I, I did my last my last uh, sports book. Pretty recently, I called it seventy-five because I had exposure to all seventy-five years of the NBA. Grew oh, up in wow. New York, was being taken to Nick games when I was a small boy, and uh, actually was around for the whole seventy-five years. And in some capacity of interest, uh, rooting for the Knicks, even when I was a little kid. So I was able to to write a book kind of spanning the whole history of the NBA. Wow, fascinating. Right, there used to be the NBA, and then there was a competitor, right? That merged, they merged together. Yeah, there, there was actually be, before the NBA, there, there was I think two other leagues, and then the NBA came along, and a lot of the players from the other one or two leagues, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. I think it was two. A lot of the players from the uh, other leagues just jumped into the NBA, and so that they didn't have, they only had one league left, and that was the NBA. Um, but at that time. Um, the, the athletes, uh, I don't like to be antagonist, antagonist to the elderly because I am one, but the athletes then did not work out. Uh, they, 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 they didn't lift. They didn't, they didn't swim. They didn't run. They, they didn't, and they weren't great. Uh, they, they were kind of out of shape. Most of them were middle-aged. They weren't making any money in basketball. So a lot of them were a lot of them were, were doing other stuff. Right. They had side jobs. They were like auto mechanics or teachers or something. You know, they just played yeah. on the side. It's funny. I mean, it was really, it's hard to believe, but it was pretty hokey at the very beginning. When you look at it today, it's incredible. 
but back then it was. Uh, yeah, but there were some yeah. great athletes um, really early. I think Oscar Robertson and Will Chamberlain got into the league around 1960. And this was, the league was less than 15 years old at that time. So it, it grew fast. And they were as great as anybody. Those two were as great as anybody. Wow. Well, I'll have to look out for that book as well. Again, the the book we talked about today, title of the book is What the Bible Has to Say About the USA. The Old Testament Speaks to Americans Today. And the author's name is David S. Heron. His last name is spelled H-E-E-R-E-N. So, David, thanks so much for your time. Dave? Oh, yeah, I'm still here. Oh. Okay, thanks. All right, stay there. Stay there.